Well, good morning. For those who are just joining us, maybe for the first time, you have been unaware, we've actually been going through this series in the book of Galatians. And today we're going to spend a little bit of time in that book of Galatians as well, but we're actually going to go backwards a little bit to a passage that we looked at a few weeks ago, specifically in Galatians chapter 3. And what we find in that passage is we find the word baptism ties was used as well as being clothed in Christ. And we're going to spend a little bit of time, we're going to look a little bit deeper at that as far as what that, what that means. And I'm excited for that this morning. One of, the, one of the elements that's really been striking me this week as I've looked at baptism again and as I've kind of studied, like what we, we've talked about baptism before. Some of us may really have very little idea of what we're doing when we baptize here, and I hope that that gets cleared up a little bit for us as we navigate through this together. For others of us, maybe we've been here a long time and we've, we've never really chosen to be baptized. Some of you maybe were baptized as an infant. We may not get into all the knitting and gritty about why we do what we do and how we do it, but I do think that some of that will be revealed this morning as we engage together. But one of the things that struck me this week, and I think this is really what I'd like for us to take some time and focus on, was the idea of shame. Can you think of the last time that you felt shame? Where you did something, or maybe you didn't do anything, but you wore something, and and people around you mocked you for what you had on for attire. I got used to it after a while. But these other aspects were the way that you act, maybe how much money you had or didn't have, maybe what you do for a living, maybe the way you look, maybe you don't have the, the enamorable physique of others that you would look at, and oftentimes you find yourself being mocked. Maybe you've made some choices in your life, and you're just humiliated by these choices that you've made in the past, and you find yourself just kind of wrestling with this idea of shame. I remember when I was a, a kid, very young, and we burned wood. You've, I've heard me talk about that before. We, at home, we burned wood. And so we would spend our, our weekends growing up cutting and splitting wood. Dad would do the cutting, we would do the splitting. But when we were much younger, we still had jobs with it, though I couldn't split the wood. We could barely haul the big pieces, the big logs. But Dad would do all of that work. He would load it up, and we felt like we were being helpful and trying to help load the truck. But there got to be this moment in our lives when we got to be old enough to where we would have to help by bringing that wood now into the house so that we could burn the wood in the wood-burning furnace. We had an indoor wood-burning furnace. And so my dad had, had rigged it where we'd open up the back door, we'd close the landing door, so yes, all kinds of cold winter air is coming in, but it was only for a while. We'd open that door up wide, and we'd prop it open with a piece of wood so the wind wouldn't blow it closed, and then he had a trap door on the landing. And so he'd flip open this trap door, and our job then was to come in and drop all this wood down into this chute, down into this basically wood cabinet that he had made that he could take it and put it into the, the furnace end. So that was our job was to fill it up. One time, this is irrelevant to the story, my dad had, he was an impatient man at times, and so he'd loaded up a full stack of wood in his arms and was going to take care of it all at once. Well, he, he took one step too far, and he went down into the hole that the wood was supposed to go into. It's funny for us who wasn't him, Right? But I remember there was this time when I was, I was very young, and my job was to fill up the woodpile. It seemed overwhelming to me at the time. And so I brought in just a few pieces, and I got to this point, and I had this epiphany. I'll finish it later. 
That was my thought. It's like, well, I'll just, I did some, you know, and I'm, I can take care of this later. And so I closed up the door. I closed, you know, the trap door. I closed the door and I went back to my childhood playthings. And it got to be that evening and my dad said, and I told my mom, I said, why did she ask, did you fill up the wood cabinet? I said, yes. Yeah, I did. Fully expecting and intending to go and take care of it later. So I lied. Is really what it boiled down to. But in my mind, it wasn't really lying because, well, I'm going to take care of it. We got to be later on that evening, and my dad pulls me outside and said, I thought you told your mother that you had filled up the wood with a wood box. And I remember standing there, and I, I could feel, you know how it is when you get caught? I could feel the blood just kind of rushing either to or from my head, whatever it, whatever it is. You know, I turning pale. I just was like, oh, I forgot totally forgotten. I knew that I had told mom that I had done it, all of this. And I remember at that moment, it wasn't immobilizing, but I remember even in that moment being, as I was caught, it's like, wow, I, I felt this certain degree of shame. And then my dad talked about lying and it's like the shame increased all the more. And even after that fact, after I was paddled, I, I was paddled, probably with one of the sticks I did bring in. <laughs> But I remember even at that point just kind of wondering, it's like, where does this relationship go from now? You know? But shame. Shame is something that every single one of us endures from time to time. And in fact, as we look at the scriptures, shame is all over in the scripture. And I, was, I took some time and I reflected and I looked at, okay, it, it seems to go without saying, I nearly dropped this into the tub. If I do that, I apologize to all of our tech people, but we can buy a new one or dry it out with some rice. But I went back and I looked in the earliest portion. This is where I, I think most would, would agree. This is where shame comes into the picture for the first time. God had created Adam and Eve. He had this wonderful relationship with them. And, I, and you're going to see some of that in this language as we look at the language of what we find here. It's very, it's sweet language, it's intimate language, and yet you're going to find that this shame comes into play. Well, look at this. So, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, remember, this is Adam and Eve, don't eat of this tree, you can eat of everything else, and they said, this is the point, okay? The woman sees that this tree is good, ooh, that fruit looks really good, and pleasing to the eye, and it is desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of the fruit and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband, which just goes to show, gentlemen, it's the woman's fault. Right? This is the first and only time that that has been the truth. Okay? Every time here then thereafter, it's man's fault. So he gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it as well. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Here they are. And they've done something wrong, and instantly they realize there's shame that goes along with this. They recognize their shame, and our humanistic, natural reaction to shame is to hide it, is to cover it. And that's exactly what they do, and rightly so. We would do the same. When we lie and we get caught with a lie, oftentimes we will try to cover up that lie with what? More lies, you know? When we, when we do wrong in front of our parents, our job is to not confess it, it's to cover it up so mom and dad don't find out. That's our human nature. That's the way our lives usually trend. But we see Jesus actually will exemplify and challenge us to consider something different today. So they, they sewed up some fig leaves to cover up their nakedness. They 
sort of thing leaves to cover up their shame is what's happening. When the cool evening breezes, I just think this is astounding. Just look at the intimate language of this relationship that was there and the relationship that was, that was broken. He says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. I mean, it's just, they can hear the Lord. He's actually walking. I don't know what this is like. We, we hear that, that wind, like the spirit aspect, and yet there's a walking with it. I don't know what that will be like. I think someday we will see what that is like, but it's just a sweetness to it. So what, they, what do they do when they hear the Lord? They've already sewed fig leaves together, so that part is at least hidden. But what do they do? They hide their shame. So they hid. They hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to them, Where are you? Which I think is a hilarious question because God knows exactly where they are. But it's just it's an ironic question. I enjoy it. And the man replied, He, Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. In other words, I heard you. I didn't want to be seen by you. I wanted to hide my shame from you. Is really an, an, an essence of what he is saying. I was afraid because I was naked. I also love this question. Who told you you were naked? God knows that answer. How did you learn, out, learn that you were naked? In other words, why are you feeling shame right now? The Lord asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? And of course, the man blames the woman and says, well, the woman made me do it. And she then blames the serpent. Well, the, the devil made me do it. But then what we find is in the midst of their shame, they recognize that they're hiding from God. They know full well that the, what they've done is shameful. And watch what God does. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. We touched on this a few weeks ago, just very briefly. You recognize what happens here because we see it in Hebrews where we look at this passage in Hebrews that said, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. So even at this point, way back in Genesis chapter 3, God knows the shame of mankind. They tried to sew fig leaves together. You know what happens to fig leaves? I remember when I was a kid once, I built a teepee, right? And I covered the teepee with branches and leaves, all right? So it was like there was a shelter, and it worked great until what happened? They dried out, okay? And then they started crumbling and falling apart. Fig leaves, same thing, all right? Not very permanent. It's going to be uh, this constant repetitive nature of it. But God does something then instead. So instead of these fig leaves, God intervenes. And what does he do? Even at this point, he creates something to cover their shame. And I think there's something symbolic in this that points to what Jesus is going to do and what we're going to talk about today. And the Lord God made clothing from the animal skins. In other words, death came at this point. Something had to die. It's not like, you know, God went up to a bear and a bear just said, oh, you need, you need a skin? Here, take mine. That doesn't make sense. You know, something had to die. And so through that death, I know it's kind of a funny image, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> kind of threw you off. Through that death, God used it to cover their shame. And we're going to see that our shame is also covered in a man's death this morning. All right, I want to take us to the baptism of Jesus Christ. We've looked at this. I've asked myself the question. You have probably also asked yourself the question, why did Jesus get baptized? And we can come up with a number of, of pretty, pretty good answers. One would be as an example, all right? He, he did it so that we would know how to be baptized. 
Maybe. That, that's, there's probably some truth to that. I'm not saying what I'm going to say here now is the, the bread and butter of all that, that he did and why he did it, but I do believe what I'm going to say is a factor as to why Jesus did get baptized. And it's really quite astounding. So here's the, the scene that we find. Even before we get into verse 11, John the Baptist, that was his name. Guess what he did? He baptized people. Okay, That's where he got his name from. John the Baptist. And John was down at the Jordan River, and he's, as he's baptizing people, he's standing in this river water, and he's calling out to the people that are going by on the banks. And he's asking them, he says, here's the deal, I want you to repent, and I want you to come and be baptized. You know what that means to repent? That means, you know, turn the, the 180 thing, that is true, but really what John the Baptist is calling them out to is like, I want you to admit something. I want you to admit that you're a mess. I want you to admit to the fact that what you're doing is shameful. And then I want you to come and be baptized. You know, do you get this? So John the Baptist is really saying, here's what I want you to do. All of you that are out there pretending like you got it all together, I'm asking that you admit that you have shame in your life, that you're ashamed of it, and come down here. And you know what that does? As they come down and some would, they're basically saying, hey, guess what, everybody? I'm a shameful person. In front of everyone else who's watching, I'm a shameful person. That's humiliating. That takes a lot of courage to do that, and yet that's the reality of what John was calling them to do. In fact, what we find here in the earlier verses of Matthew chapter 3, even some Pharisees, this is astounding stuff, some Pharisees, you remember the Pharisees? Those were the religious leaders. They were considered to be pretty pious. They were, for the most part, all of these self-righteous people. In other words, they would have never admitted to any shame in their life, but they came to kind of be baptized by John the Baptist, but John the Baptist recognized what they were doing. He says, what in the world are you guys doing? You guys are nothing but a brood of vipers. In other words, what he's saying is, here you are pretending to repent, but you're not exemplifying any shame. You don't believe that you have any shame in your life. In other words, I have nothing to do with you unless you're willing to admit that you have shame in your life. This is pointless. Why would you do it? Because somehow they felt like it was a, another act that they had to do. Interesting, we've talked about this before about baptism. Baptism isn't something that, that you do because it's the right thing to do and that somehow that's going to save you. We do it because this points to someone much greater than ourselves. We talked about that with the wedding ring, remember? Okay, baptism doesn't mean that I'm not, I have to be baptized to be saved, but there's this idea the wedding ring doesn't, isn't my marriage. It points to the fact that I'm married. Do you, do you see the difference? And that's what we're, we're talking about with here at baptism. I've got to shift back to where I was at here now. So John the Baptist, he's talking to these Pharisees. He actually sends them away saying, that's, that's absurd. That's foolishness. You brood of vipers, just get out of here. And then an astounding thing happens. Jesus comes by. And John has already seen this Jesus in the past, and he's pointed to him and says, hey, look at that. That is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Bringing in this whole idea of blood and taking away sin and taking away shame is astounding. And John has already said those things. And here comes this Jesus now. As John is calling for people to repent, Jesus comes down to the water and says, I'd like to be baptized. And John, who knows who this Jesus is, perfect, no sin in his life, no shame, says, excuse me? That doesn't make sense. I'm not even worthy to, to carry your sandals. And you want me to baptize you? I'm the one that's shameful. It's not you. This doesn't, this doesn't add up. This doesn't fit 
with what we're going on here. He says, I baptize with water. Oh, this is backing up here. I get, I get ahead of myself. So John, as he's calling for the people to repent, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I. This is the Jesus he's talking about. Whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus then comes from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That's where we're at. John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? This doesn't make sense. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. You realize what Jesus is doing here? You know, we, we know that Jesus is humble. We see it in Philippians, where Paul writes about this Jesus who came in. And he, he was being totally God. He emptied himself and became fully man. I understand. That's a great mystery. We're not going to really get our minds totally around that, but I believe it. And that's kind of in the crux of this whole belief system as well. But I believe that it's true. So here we have this, this man, that Jesus. We know that he's a humble man, but do you recognize this act of humility and grace that Jesus is, is exemplifying even his baptism? He's coming down to the water in front of all of these people saying, I want to be baptized by you, a man, a shameful man. I'm submitting myself under you in this way. It's astounding. But you know what it's pointing to? This perfect Jesus who had no shame is going to be taking our shame upon him. And we're going to see it here in a moment. He's going to take that shame and he's going to empty it. All the shame that you've dealt with, all the shame in your life, there is a way and only one way that that shame can be taken from you. You have no power to deal with it. You have no power to, to get rid of your own shame. But Jesus does and he says, guess what? I'll take it. I'll empty it. I'll take it from you. And Baptist, when he comes in and he does this shameful act, Jesus, it's a shameful act by acknowledging that he had shame in his life, but he didn't. And he submitted himself under that, in a sense, taking upon our shame, even as this picture of what he's going to do in taking on our shame. It's beautiful. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. Here you have this Holy Spirit presence, and this is just an astounding picture. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. What a beautiful picture that happens at Christ's baptism. So why did Jesus get baptized? Sets an example, certainly. I think it was to foretell, at least in some way, how he would take our shame on that cross. And then we see it in Hebrews chapter 12. For the joy, this is incredible, for the joy. Do you think that cross was a joyous experience in any bit? Physically, absolutely not. When it says that, that Jesus at that cross, he took, he became sin. He who knew no sin, he had no sin, he had no shame. He became sin and shame on the cross. Think of the worst sin possible. Okay, maybe it's murder. I can think of worse. And I know I know they're not judged. Okay, I get that, right? So don't, don't send me emails and just saying, hey, what about the... Okay, you're missing the point. The point of it is, think of this incredible, shameful acts that we know happen, human against human. And it says that Jesus became those things on the cross. He was willing to become everything that shame. He was beaten. He was mocked. This king of kings who was without sin. He was stripped naked. He had crown of thorns placed on his head. He was whipped as a thief. 
and as a murderer, he was treated with contempt, though he had done nothing wrong. And then he had to carry this own beam of wood through the city streets, which would exemplify, here I am, a guilty man, condemned to death. He's walking, and he had done nothing wrong. Everything that he had done points to this incredible guilt, though he was guiltless. And then they hang him up on the cross. And we find this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He scorned its shame. Some will say emptied the cross of its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Because of the fact, the shame that you're dealing with, the shame that you feel, the shame that you can't seem to resist, guess what? If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, he says you don't need to feel that shame any longer. But I know what I've done. I know but I died for that. I gave my life for that. And I did that out of joy because I love you that much. If you're here and you wonder, does God love me? You have no idea the great and powerful depth of the love that God has for you. And in a moment, we have two young men who are going to express to you the love that they have for Jesus Christ. And they're going to follow him in baptism because they recognize Jesus took my shame. I don't need to feel shame any longer. And if you're wrestling with shame, wrestle hard because I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you and wants you to realize too that it's Jesus Christ who can take that shame from you. And then we get into Galatians chapter 3. These are the, the verses. And consider the parallel that we have from this all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. When you believe, we talked about this, you become heirs. You become these people that get everything that Jesus has promised. All of the rewards of heaven are promised to you if you believe. He says, for all of you who were, and these are those who chose to follow Christ, were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Do you see it? The Genesis 3 connection? When we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we believe that that is our hope, when we put our faith in him saying, I can't do this on my own, I am so full of shame, when we do that, it says that we are clothed. What is that like? We saw it in Genesis 3. We're covered. We have Jesus Christ on us. I don't have to worry about my shame any longer because I am covered in Christ. Will I continue to do shameful acts? I'm sorry, I will. Do I want it? Absolutely not. I want to follow the Spirit. But you're covered in a beautiful way, covered in the clothes of Christ, and there's no more shame because Christ has covered it. It's astounding, and it's beautiful. I'm going to invite, well, not yet. We've got a video. So here's how we're going to do it here today. We have two young men who are going to Follow the Lord in baptism this morning. And in doing so, we have a, a video that young Asher Buckhouse has put together. And so this is his testimony. You know, it's intimidating looking at some of you, okay? So just be aware of that, all right? You guys aren't all the, you know, the most soothing people. Um, I don't mean that negatively. That's just, you know, it's scary to young kids, in particular, especially you, Mikey. Uh, <clears throat> And so we put together this video for Asher, and he's going to share his story. And then when Asher's done, I'm going to have him come up and have uh, Pete and Diana after that. So let's watch this video with Asher. So, Asher, you are getting baptized coming up. What are you most excited for? Um, going under the water. Under the water? Like all the way under? Can you tell me why you are getting baptized? 
because I wanted to, um, probably a year ago, almost when I was six, and I believed in Christ as much as I could, and I just went and asked that I wanted to be baptized. Cool. Can you tell me, this might be a little hard, but can you tell me, what does baptism show? It shows um, that you don't have to do it again. Yeah, um, so you only you only get baptized one time? Yes. Mm-hmm. So remember we talked about um, baptism is kind of like a wedding ring? Yes, but except instead of it going onto your finger, mm-hmm. it goes into your heart and then... Instead, and then it go. You go underwater, so that Jesus can go and take the blessings and put it, and then put the blessings in your heart. Hmm. So just like, just like a wedding ring. What if I take my wedding ring off? Am I? <laughs> we're taking our socks off right now. <laughs> if mom, I, mom, 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 mom. If mom. I what? We should record this video um um at church so that they put as you're taking his socks off. Right. <laughs> you should so, really record this. If one. I take my wedding ring off, am I still married? Yes. It's Sandy. I put Sandy's. <laughs> Focus. Focus. Okay. Okay, so my ring tells me that I am married. So that other people know that you're married. Right. So what does baptism show? It shows it's kind of a wedding ring. That you have Christ where? In your heart. Yeah. Right here. And that's what's happening on the inside matters. So, does baptism save you? No. No, what saves you? Jesus. And how does he save you? By his power. By the Holy Spirit. Mmm, what did Jesus do to save you? Um, he died on the cross. Yeah. Kind of like John three sixteen. so God so loved the world that he gave his only one son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Awesome. And who should get baptized? Everybody. Everybody? And you should tell them about Jesus and baptism. I'm like, Daddy, I want to get baptized. Right? Hi, Mama. So everybody who believes in Jesus can get baptized, right? None that want to get baptized and they don't believe in Jesus, they can't. Mm, okay, so that is a prerequisite. You have to believe in Jesus? Yeah. Explain to me how you're going to get baptized. Do you know? So, um, I've already talked to Pastor Ryan about okay. it. Okay. So, Daddy and Pastor Ryan will invite you up and then you, Daddy and Pastor Ryan will hold you in the water and then I will go underwater and then I will come right back up. Okay, you will come right back up? Okay. 
Do you remember why we baptize that way? Like having your whole body go under and having your whole body come back up? No. No? So we do that. It's called immersion because... I would not guess that question. Right, that, yeah, that's a really hard word. Um, because what you said it before. What did Jesus do for us? He died on the cross. Okay, what happened after he died? He went into the tomb. Yes, did he stay there? No. What happened? He rose again. He rose again. That is what baptism is showing. When you go under the water, it's like you're you're kind of dying with Christ, and then when you go back up out it's, of the water it's kind of like you rose again yeah very very cool it shows the new life we have in christ you said those who believe in jesus can and should be baptized right yes when did you first believe in jesus um do you remember when i was three or four okay and i prayed okay Dad remembers the prayer that I prayed, but I can't. You don't? No. <laughs> where were you? In my room in quiet time. Nice. And because you did that, where does Jesus live now? Right there. Jesus yeah. now always lives in your heart. In my heart. Right. But do you still do bad things sometimes? Yes. Do you still sin? Yes. Does that mean you have to get baptized again? No. No. How many times do you get baptized? One. Why not? Why, why don't you have to get baptized over and over again? That's a hard question. Because um, Jesus says that's an off because um, that almost already cleans out all your sin in your heart. Yep. Because how many times... And sorry. Jesus can do the rest. Right. How many times did Jesus die? One time, yep. No, two. Two, because, oh boy. Two, because um, he dead on the cross, and then he was dead in the grave. So that goes one on the cross, okay. and then two in the grave. Okay, well, we'll work on that question. No problem. Perfect. So he died once, so you only have to get baptized once, once. right? Yep. Yeah, because he says that. Right, okay. He's ruler the whole wide world. Yes, yes. He makes... Galaxy. Okay. So on a different note, are you going to wear goggles? Or your snorkel mask when you get baptized? No. No. <laughs> no, you won't need it. Who do you who do you want uh, to baptize you? Pastor Ron and Daddy. Oh, not me. No. Oh shoot. Okay. No, 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 no. I want you and Daddy. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll see about that. I didn't think you'd say me. Um, well, time is up. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye bye. Bye. So where is at young Asher? Oh, there you are. Come on up, Asher. And Pete and Diane, would you come up as well? Laura, if you really want to have a hand in this. You sure? So Pete and Diane have some words of encouragement for you, Asher. We 
sure do, buddy. <laughs> Pastor Chris and Laura and Asher joined our church family, I think it was in the early months of 2019, but it wasn't until that following September when Asher started coming to our Wednesday night cubby program that I began to know him. And at Cubby's, the first thing we learned was, Jesus loves me. Remember that? And we told the story about how Jesus and his disciples were at a gathering. And the disciples didn't want the little children to come to Jesus. And Jesus got upset with his disciples. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. And he opened up his arms so wide, and he hugged and welcomed each and every little child. And the first verse that we learned in Cubbies was, hmm, A is for all. Asher, do you remember what that verse is? All? A stands for all have sinned. All have sinned. Yeah. Now, does that mean that just Miss Diane sins? Yes. <laughs> does it mean that just Asher sins? No, it means all of us, everyone out there. We all have sin. We have all sinned. And we talked about what is sin. I don't know if you remember, but I'll tell you again. Sin is anything you say with your mouth, think in your head, or do with your hands that makes God sad. Right? Yep. And then we came to the letter C. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he needed to die for us because that's the only way we could get rid of our sin, right? Yeah. Asher, because you love Jesus, and because you know that you are a sinner just like all of us, and because you have Christ in your heart as your Savior, you are now a child of God, and you are adopted into his family. So my prayer for you today is that as you step into the waters of baptism, you remember these simple teachings, and that you will carry them in your heart all the days of your life. Jesus loves you, Asher, and so do we. Boy, I think you're pretty special, Asher. And Miss Diane really likes you. You got away with girls, don't you? Huh? Well, it was a couple of weeks ago. Your mom came up in the foyer during coffee and asked me if Diane and I would be interested in saying something at your baptism. And I thought, what an honor that would be. Because you've been with me in classes for quite some time now. And I find you to be a very... Hmm, absorbing 
young man. When I tell stories, you're goo-goo-eyed and locked in. And that's a great, that's a gift from God, okay? So it's an honor to be here. I even dressed up, wore a tie for your special occasion. Yeah? That doesn't happen very often. And uh, when I was sitting here last week watching over the congregation like I do every Sunday, the Lord gave me a verse. He doesn't do that very often. So I saw you bopping around up here with sitting with your mom and Asher. Tell Asher I have a verse for him. And actually it's a whole chapter. Psalm 91. Okay? And the words in Psalm 91, 7 stood out above all the rest. And those words are this. And they're for you. Though a thousand fall on at my side, and ten thousand fall on my right hand, none of this will happen to you. And I knew that was from God, and I knew that was for you. And I know how well you listen to stories. So I have a little story to tell you, okay? This was a few years ago. And I was on duty watching over the, the congregation. And the pastor at that time had befriended three guys that would come in and visit him in his office from time to time. But they were in trouble. They had trouble with drugs and that kind of thing, you know. But they were trying. They wanted to become uh, Jesus-like. And one day while I was sitting in, in the back, the th- three of them came in and sat in that corner back here. Eh? And they started to be loud and disruptive. You can't have that in a church service. They started talking and giggling, and people were turning their heads. I thought, I have to do something here. So... I got up, three of these big guys, and they were probably on drugs that very morning. I walked up to them, and I stood in front of them, and I went, not knowing how they'd respond. And I just slowly walked away over towards the door where I was standing, waiting to see if they were going to keep up this commotion. And when I looked over there, They were gone. Because I didn't know what I was going to do after that. The power of God was with me. And he actually helped those guys get up and leave without causing any more uh, of a problem. And at that moment, I felt like there was a thousand dying on my left and a ten thousand on my right. But I trusted God, and he took care of the problem. And you're going to face things like that in your life, see? This is a, a, the water of baptism, and I kind of like to think of it as an anointing of your whole body, your whole soul, and your whole mind as you go under the water. And you'll come out not being that little ninja man that I know, but a man of God, okay? And I'll be your brother. Diane, Miss Diane will be your sister. And we want to be there for you. We want to be able to help you whenever you may need help. Okay? And everybody here who believes in Jesus is a brother and sister to you too. And you never have to be afraid to go up 
and ask somebody to help you or to pray for you or whatever your needs may be because we're brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, okay? All right, little brother. God bless you. It's not freezing. Okay. No, do you want to kneel? Oh my gosh. Well, should we go quick then? Yes. Okay, why don't you hold your arms just like this? Okay. You believe in Jesus, and you love him with all your heart and all your soul, and you know that he died for your sins, and that you're going to be with him forever in paradise? Well, little man, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, because of his redeeming work, you can follow him in the waters of baptism. Go ahead and kind of sit down a little bit. And after I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Greg, would you come on up? As Greg is coming, I've known Greg for a lot of years. Some of you in this community have also known Greg for quite some time. Go ahead and grab that microphone. And I've recently heard Greg's story, and it's, it's an astounding story. And so he's going to share part of that story with you, and then Mark's going to come up and share some words of encouragement as well. Greg, let's see what you got. You bet. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, it's been uh, quite an interesting story. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of this community, worked here for well, about 16 years, so it's been a great com- uh, it's been a great community. I think it's important to share a little bit of my story, so I'll just kind of give you the uh, the abridged version. I grew up in Louisiana for the first um, 18 years of my life. Grew up in uh, New Orleans, you know, in a pretty dysfunctional family. Uh, a lot of drug addiction, a lot of alcoholism, a lot of abuse, physical, psychological. Um, so right away, it, I it. I formed a heart of stone, um, and it lasted for quite a long time. And I ran away from, I grew up in New Orleans loving it, and I left it at the age of 18, hating it. And my, and I, my heart just stoned for my, whole, for my whole life, for my whole life, and I, I, and I ran, and I ran, and I ran, and my life got heavier and heavier. I'm a shameful person. I've committed so many things I, I'm ashamed of. I'm powerless over a lot of things, and there are aspects of my life where I'm unmanageable. There, are one, there is one person that has power and can bring manageability to my life, and that's what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and that was die for me and die for you. My life was heavy, you know, And a verse that always kept coming to my mind was, come to me all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
Now here's what happened. Here's when my heart turned to flesh. Four months ago, I wasn't feeling too well. And I made a phone call to a friend of mine, and uh, this was on January 25th. And they go, what's going on? I go, well, I don't know. And I hadn't been feeling too well up until then. And they said, well, what's going on? I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, my, uh, my heart, um, my chest is feeling really heavy. She's like, and she's a nurse. She's like, okay, well, are, are your ankles swelling? And I'm looking down at my ankles, and... Uh, and they're swelling right in front of my eyes. I'm like, whoa, okay. She's like, well, she says, ah, should I call an ambulance or an Uber? She's like, well, an Uber's probably going to get fa- be faster, right? Imagine that. I'm a veteran. Uh, I spent eight years in the military. So they sent me down um, to the uh, uh, veterans. I was living in, I'm living in Bloomington right now. So I was sent down to the emergency room at the VA. And I got to the VA, and they hooked me up. And they said, you're in atrial defibrillation. So if you don't know what that means, uh, there's this electricity that helps your heart beat in a, in a certain rhythm. And, um, and my heart wasn't beating in a normal rhythm. So a lot of people have it, and they don't even know it. So the electricity, was the heart was beating whenever it wanted to. So they gave me this shot that usually helps it kind of get back in the rhythm. Well, I'm one of those unique 1% where it did just the opposite. And I fell right to the ground, in the, and I'm on the ground in the emergency room floor. And the last thing I remember is laying on the ground and these nurses looking up at me and going, yeah, yeah he's turning blue. Lights out. And then from how the story goes, they put me into a medically induced coma. They hooked... They put, uh, yeah, they put holes into everything. I put tubes into everything I owned, made a couple extra holes in me, and uh, called my family and said, come see Greg. He's going to be gone in a couple days. So there I am in the hospital. My son flew in from Colorado. I'm in this coma laying there, and they said, what do you guys want to do? And they go, well, my dad wouldn't want to live like this. So here's my son standing in front of me with my brother on the other end of the phone. They're like, well, you know, dad wouldn't want to live like this. Let's, uh, let's just pull the plug. And then they put me in hospice. Now check this out, y'all. You don't go to hospice to recover. You know that? Amen? You do not go to hospice to recover. Now, I'm in hospice at the VA hooked up to a bag of fentanyl with a heart rate of 120. Right? Mark and Kate were down there and had some other family members. They were just sitting down there, just we were waiting for, just saying goodbye to Greg. Now, I'd, I'd worked at the St. Francis Music Center, right? I've got a few students sitting out here. I think half the band might be <laughs> some of my students. Um, so I had 66 nuns praying for me. Probably had this whole church, a lot of members here praying for me. 
And when I was laying there in hospice, I felt the hands, and I felt the hand of God and Jesus touching me. Wasn't the fentanyl talking now, <laughs> okay? I literally felt hands touching me. I felt thing. I felt something sitting on my bed. You know that feeling when you're laying on your bed and someone sits on it? I felt something, a presence sitting on the bed. And then I remember laying in that bed, and this supernatural voice coming to me and said, do you want to live? I'm still in hospice, and I said, yes. I go, I want, I, I want to live. So I, I knew right there God had, had a purpose for me, you know, and that's to share my message. And I made it. I'm not out of the woods, but I'm on the right path, you know. My heart isn't what it was because I wasn't so good to life. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm done taking. I'm done hurting people. I'm done hurting myself. That's why I'm here making my public, you know, proclamation to say that I've given my life to following what, what Christ, how he, it's a great way to live. And whenever I get confused on what I should be doing, I open up the Bible and go, oh, yeah. And I'm quick to forgive. And I don't want to be understood. I, I, I want to understand. I don't want to hate. I just, I want to love. Because that's what Christ gave us, the ultimate sacrifice for loving. No greater love does someone have for anyone than to lay down their life. That's powerful stuff. And I've had so many people walk with me and care for me even when I wasn't there for them. This is a great community we have here. And I love everyone in, in here. This is, this is amazing. And I'm glad that you've given me the opportunity to express myself in baptism here. Thank you for letting me be here, and thank you for letting me share my story. Uh, I've lived an interesting life. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. I encourage you. Absolutely. I encourage you during our fellowship time following the service to take advantage of this to connect with not only baptism candidates, but there's going to be some discussion questions that you guys as a church body can engage in, sharing bits of your story as well. Uh, I'm going to have Mark come up. He's going to share with Greg. But one thought that I had as, as Greg was sharing, it's interesting. He talked about his heart. You know, it's not, he's done some damage to it. Your physical heart's probably not in great shape. But I'll tell you this, your, your spiritual heart is brand new. Amen. It's brand new. I don't know how I'm going to top that, but um, I wrote some some thoughts down so I wouldn't forget. I don't go off the cuff very easily, so. That was the Holy Spirit talking. To okay. Me. <laughs> um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for I guess it's been about eight years now, something like that, and I knew the first time I met you that you were you were hurting. I could tell just by looking in your eyes, and. Um, I've been praying for you every day. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> um, you have struggled through so much in your life, and um, yet here you stand. You're on your own two feet. You're making progress. You're doing great things. You're a fighter, and you're a survivor. 
and I just have a lot of respect for you. Um, it's been a pleasure to watch you grow in your faith. You've spent a great deal of time investigating the church. Um, I would encourage you to keep investigating and keep learning. There's always something new to learn every time you open the book. There's just, you know, you always miss something the first couple times you go through it and you go back and, oh, I, you know, I didn't see that the first time. So I encourage you to keep, keep, your, keep your nose on the book as much as you can. Um, I look forward to seeing what God has in store for you in the future. I know you're going to do great things. And I want to remind you and encourage you to keep God in the forefront of your mind in everything that you do. And rem- you know, this is something I kind of stole from you as you were telling me, telling me about warrior's faith yesterday. Um, remember who and what you represent as a son of God. It's different now. That's it. I'm proud of you. Mark is going to help me with, with Greg here. So, Greg, we're going to step in. We're going to sit down with your uh, facing Kate over there. Yep, if you can. Should be have plenty of space. Good. Is it as cold as Asher made it sound? Here's the thing. I added hot water today, but it, the, the pastor was too long-winded, and it got cold. Uh, Greg, because of your profession of faith in Jesus Christ, because of your belief in him, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Chris gave me this one, too, which might come in really, really handy. For those techie people who are worried about the water on the stage and the electronics, don't. It'll be just fine, most likely. You know, it's, it's one of the... Thank you, Greg. Get warm? Yeah, absolutely. For some of you, maybe this is something you hadn't contemplated or thought of. It's maybe something that, that you've been wrestling with for a while. Uh, we do intend on having future baptism services. We even look at maybe the summer. And yet, I can't help but wonder, and one of our elders and I talked about it this morning, and just, I know the water's cold, but in the, in the New Testament, we find this moment where one of the, the disciples is engaged in encounters in Ethiopian, and the Ethiopian's reading the scriptures. And the Ethiopian can't understand what he's reading, and so Philip goes and he interprets them. He says, well, this is what it's saying. It's all about this, this Jesus. And the Ethiopian says, hey, I, that, yeah, I, that makes sense to me. I want to believe. And then the Ethiopian is the one that says it. He says, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And there was no good answer to say no. And so Philip and the Ethiopian go down into the water and they're baptized. Well, I challenge you. Look, here's water. If any of you would like to be baptized this morning and you have a faith in Jesus Christ, let's do it. I understand that can make some of us uncomfortable. Some of us might feel like, oh, that's, oh, it makes me too nervous. I'd, I'd be ashamed. I know. 
but the Lord emptied the cross of its shame. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and they're going to sing. I'm going to give a benediction, but if you feel like, hey, I want to do it, guess what? At the time of the benediction, just raise, you know, raise your hand, come up to me, don't be ashamed, and we'll, we'll go ahead and, and continue the baptism service that way. How about that? So Kevin, Pam, worship team, come up, and let's, let's praise the Lord for this good work that we've witnessed today.